Part two, chapter twenty one of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sinkevich, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter twenty one. As Vinitius drew nearer, he saw that it was more easy to reach Rome than to get inside of the walls. He could scarcely force a way through the Appian Road because of the struggling multitudes. In the Temple of Mars, situated just at the Appian Gate, the throng broke through the doors to find shelter for the night. In the cemeteries the larger tombs had all been seized after severe fighting, often accompanied with bloodshed. The disorder in Ostranium gave but a mild foretaste of what was happening under the walls of the city itself. All regard for authority, for rank, for family ties, for differences of classes, had ceased to exist slaves were seen cudgelling citizens gladiators intoxicated with the wine they had plundered in the emporium gathered in large crowds and with wild cries ran through the square chasing the people trampling upon them robbing them a number of barbarians exposed for sale in the city had fled from the booths of their vendors the conflagration and destruction of the city were for them the end of slavery and the hour of vengeance while the citizens who had lost all their property in the fire were lifting supplicating hands to the gods these slaves with howls of joy fell upon them dispersed the crowds tore the clothing from the shoulders of the people and carried off the younger women slaves who had served long years in rome tramps with no clothing save woolen rags on their loins terrible figures from the alleys who were rarely seen on the streets in daytime and whose very existence would have been unsuspected joined in these acts of violence among them were asians africans greeks thracians germans and britons shouting in all the languages of the earth wild and dissolute maddened with the thought that the hour had come when they could repay themselves for years of suffering and misery amid that awful crowd in the glare of the sun and of the fire glittered the helmets of the praetorians whose protection was sought by the more peaceful citizens and who were forced into frequent hand-to-hand -hand conflicts with the bestialized hordes vinitius had seen many cities stormed but never had he witnessed a spectacle where despair fear pain groans barbaric joy madness rage and license had mingled together in so monstrous a chaos above this weltering maddened human crowd roared the fire blazing on the hilltops of the greatest city in the world scattering confusion over it with its fiery breath and enveloping it in smoke which shut out the blue of the heaven the young tribune putting forth his utmost strength risking his life at every moment at last gained the appian gate he found, however, that he could not reach the city through the quarter of the Porta Capena, because of the crowd and of the heat which beyond the gate made the whole air tremble. At that time the bridge at the Triginia Gate, opposite to the Temple of Bonadia, had not been built. To cross the Tiber one had to force his way to the Sublicius Bridge, or, in other words, to pass around the Aventine, through a part of the city which was now one sea of flames. This was impossible vinitius saw that he must return towards ostranium turn from the appian way cross the river below the city and reach the via portuensis which led directly to the trans tiber this was no easy task on account of the still greater uproar on the appian way he could only cut a passage with his sword but he was unarmed he had left antium from caesar's villa at the first news of the fire 
at the fountain of mercury however he recognized a centurion of the praetorians who at the head of a few score of men was defending the approaches to the grounds of the temple vinitius ordered him to ride behind him recognizing a tribune and an augustale the centurion dared not disobey vinitius himself took command of the detachment forgetting for the moment paul's precept of love for one's neighbor he cut and slashed through the crowd with murderous effect curses and stones were hurled at him as he pressed onward to the less obstructed spots his advance was slow the people would not yield but with angry oaths reviled caesar and the praetorians in some places the crowd assumed the defensive vinitius's ears were assailed by accusations that nero had set fire to the city open threats of death to caesar and to poppaea were uttered shouts of mountebank actor matricide came from all sides some cried that he ought to be dragged down to the tiber others that rome had shown enough forbearance these threats might at any moment merge into open riot only a leader was needed meanwhile the mob's rage turned in despair against the praetorians who could not extricate themselves from the crowd because the road was obstructed by huge piles of goods rescued from the conflagration cases and barrels of provisions the more costly furniture and utensils children's cradles beds wagons and litters here and there hand-to-hand -hand conflicts broke out at last the praetorians vanquished the unarmed mob and hurled them back overcoming all obstacles along the latin numician ardean lavinian and ostian roads passing on the way gardens villas temples and cemeteries vinitius reached the village called vicus alexandri here he crossed the tiber there was more space now and less smoke but there was no lack of fugitives even here from them he learned that only a few alleys of the trans tiber had been invaded by the fire but that in these nothing could escape burning torches had been purposely hurled into the houses which their bearers allowed no one to extinguish for they shouted that they were acting under orders the young tribune had no doubt that it was caesar who had given the orders and the vengeance clamored for by the crowds seemed to him right and just what worse had ever been done by mithridates or the most fiendish enemies of rome the measure was more than filled nero's madness had grown too monstrous the security of human life was impossible while he lived vinitius believed that nero's hour had struck that the falling ruins of the city should overwhelm the mountebank and all his crimes a man brave enough to place himself at the head of that desperate mob might bring this about at once daring thoughts crowded upon vinitius suppose he should be that man his family which up to recent times had counted a series of consuls was renowned in rome the mob needed but a man nay once before because of a death sentence inflicted upon the four hundred slaves of the prefect pedanius rome had barely escaped riot and civil war what might not happen to-day in the face of that terrible disaster surpassing all disasters inflicted upon rome for eight centuries whoever summoned the quirites to arms thought vinitius would certainly overthrow nero and clothe himself with the purple why should he not do so not one of the augustales was stronger bolder or younger true nero commanded thirty legions stationed on the frontiers of the empire but would not these very legions and their commander rise at the news of the burning of rome and of its temple then he vinitius might become caesar 
whispers were current among the augustales that a soothsayer had predicted that otho would wear the purple was he otho's inferior christ himself might help him with his divine power perhaps this very inspiration came from him would it were so said vinitius to himself he would avenge himself on nero for the peril to which lygia had been thrown and for his own sufferings he would introduce the reign of justice and truth would spread the creed of christ from the euphrates to the mist-enveloped coasts of britain and would clothe lygia in purple and make her the mistress of the earth these thoughts bursting in his head like sparks from a burning house died like sparks the first thing to do was to rescue lygia he could now view the conflagration from close quarters new fear seized him in face of that sea of fire and smoke in face of the terrible reality the hope that peter the apostle would save lygia died away in his heart despair fell upon him once more when he reached the via portuensis which led straight to the trans tiber not till he arrived at the gate did he recover himself here he learned again what the fugitives had already told him that the greater part of the quarter had not yet been reached by the flames though in some few places they had already crossed the river nevertheless the trans tiber was full of smoke and fleeing crowds the streets were more impassable than ever because the people having more time bore out and rescued more of their property the main street was choked up around the nomachia great piles were stacked the narrower alleys choked with denser smoke were entirely inaccessible the inhabitants were fleeing by thousands terrible sights met his eyes more than once two human columns flowing from opposite directions and meeting in a narrow passage crushed together and fought to the death members of the same family lost one another in the tumult mothers called despairingly for their children vinitius shuddered at the thought of what might be going on nearer to the fire amid the noise and the confusion it was difficult to ask questions or to hear the replies rolling across the river came new billows of smoke so black and heavy that they followed one another along the ground covering houses people everything with the darkness of night and then again the wind from the conflagration would disperse them and vinitius would move further towards the alley where stood the house of linus the sultry warmth of july increased by the heat from the burning quarters became unbearable eyes smarted from the smoke breath failed in human breasts even the inhabitants who hoping that the flames would not cross the river remained in their houses now began to leave them every hour the crowd augmented the praetorians following vinitius lagged behind some one in the crowd wounded his horse with a hammer it threw up its bloody head reared and refused further obedience his rich tunic betrayed the augustale shouts arose of death to nero and his incendiaries twas a moment of fearful peril for hundreds of hands were raised against vinitius but his affrighted horse carried him away trampling the crowds on all sides and now came a new billow of black smoke filling the street with darkness vinitius seeing that further progress was impossible leaped to the ground and continued his flight afoot gliding by the walls and anon waiting till the pursuing crowd had passed him he said to himself that his efforts were all in vain lygia might already be out of the city might already have saved herself by flight easier were it to find a pin on the seashore than her in this tumult and chaos 
even at the price of his life however he determined to reach the house of linus at times he stopped and rubbed his eyes with a piece torn from his tunic he covered his nose and his lips and ran on as he neared the river the heat grew more intense knowing that the fire had begun at the circus maximus his first thought was that the heat came from its burning debris or from the ox market or from velabrum their proximity to the circus would make them all a ready prey to the flames but now he could hardly stand the heat a fugitive an old man on crutches the last whom vinitius noticed shouted as he passed go thou not to the bridge of cestius in truth further self-deception was impossible at the turn towards the Jewish quarter, where stood the house of Linus, the young tribune saw fire shooting from clouds of smoke. Not only was the island burning, but the trans-Tiber also, or at least the further end of the alley in which Lygia lived. And now he recalled that the house of Linus stood in the middle of a garden. Between the garden and the Tiber was an open clearing. This thought comforted him. The fire would be halted at the clearing. He ran on, though every blast of wind now enveloped him not merely in smoke, but thousands of sparks which might reach the other end of the alley and cut off his retreat. At last, through the smoky curtain, he caught sight of the cypresses in the garden of Linus. The houses beyond the clearing were burning like piles of wood, but the little island of Linus stood as yet untouched. Vinitius cast his grateful eyes to heaven and leaped forward, though the very air was burning. The door was shut, he pushed it open and rushed in. Not a soul was in the garden. The house seemed equally deserted. They may have fainted from the smoke and the heat, thought Vinitius, and he began to call, Lygia! Lygia! Silence was his only reply. In that silence naught could be heard save the roar of the distant conflagration. Lygia! Suddenly his ears were struck by the ominous sounds which once before he had heard in this garden. The menagerie on the neighboring island, near the temple of Aesculapius, had evidently caught fire. Here lions and beasts of all kinds roared out their affright. Vinitius shivered from head to foot. For a second time, when all his thoughts were occupied with Lygia, these awful voices had sounded in his ears, as a presage of misfortune, as a strange omen of future woe. The impression was only momentary. The roar of the fire, more terrible than that of the beasts, forced him to turn his thoughts elsewhere. Lygia had not yet answered his calls, but she might have swooned away in the threatened building or have been overcome by the smoke. Vinitius rushed inside. The little hall was empty and dark with smoke. Feeling for the doors which led to the sleeping-room, he perceived the light of a torch, and springing thither saw a sanctuary where, instead of heathen statues, was a cross. Beneath the cross burned the torch. The first thought of the young convert was that the cross had sent him the torch to aid him in his search. He seized it and looked around for the sleeping-rooms. Finding one, he lifted the curtain and peeped in. The room was empty. Vinitius, however, was certain that he had discovered Lygia's bedchamber, because her garments hung along the wall on nails, and on the bed lay a capitium, a close garment worn by women next to the skin. Vinitius grasped the garment and pressed it to his lips. Then, throwing it over his shoulder, he continued his search. The house was small, so that in a short time he went through every room and even descended into the cellar. Search as he would, he found no one. It was only too evident that Lygia, Linus, and Ursus, with other inhabitants of the quarter, had sought safety in flight. 
i must look for them in the crowds beyond the gates of the city thought vinitius it had not greatly surprised him that he had not met them on the portuensis road for they might have gone out from the trans tiber from the opposite side in the direction of the vatican hill in any case they had escaped destruction from the fire vinitius was greatly relieved he appreciated it is true the terrible dangers that they had escaped but the thought of the superhuman strength of ursus was a comfort to him i must flee from here he said to himself across the gardens of domitius into the gardens of agrippina i will surely find them there i need not fear the smoke there because the wind is blowing from the sabine hill the pressing moment had now come when he was forced to think of his own safety waves of flame were coming nearer and nearer from the destruction of the island and clouds of smoke almost entirely enveloped the alley the torch which had lighted his way was extinguished by a gust of wind rushing into the street vinitius ran at full speed towards the via portuensis in the direction which he had come the flames seemed to pursue him with their fiery breath now enveloping him in fresh clouds of smoke now pouring sparks upon him which fell on his hair neck and clothing his tunic began to burn in spots but he paid no attention to this and rushed on lest the smoke would suffocate him his mouth was choked with soot his throat and lungs seemed on fire the blood rushed to his head at times everything about him seemed red even the smoke itself he thought this is a living fire mayhap it is better i should throw myself down and perish his efforts exhausted him more and more his head neck and shoulders streamed with perspiration which scalded him like boiling water had it not been for lygia's name which he repeated mentally and for her garment which he had bound across his mouth he would have fallen to the ground a few moments later he could no longer recognize the streets through which he ran gradually he lost consciousness remembering only that he must rush onward for in the open field lygia was awaiting him whom peter the apostle had promised to him suddenly he was seized by a strange conviction half feverish like a vision before death that he must see her wed her and then expire on and on he ran staggering like a drunken man from one side of the street to the other suddenly a change came over the terrible conflagration sweeping over the city places which had been merely smouldering burst forth into one great sea of flame the wind no longer bore smoke along with it the smoke which had already accumulated vanished in a mad eddy of heated air but now came myriads of sparks so that it seemed to vinitius as if he were running through a cloud of fire however he could see ahead of him clearer than before and just as he was ready to fall with exhaustion he beheld the end of the street this sight gave him new courage and strength passing the corner he found himself in the street which led to the via portuensis and the coditan field the sparks ceased to pursue him he knew that if he could reach the via portuensis he would be safe even if he fell in a faint at the end of the street he saw a cloud which veiled the exit if that is smoke thought he i cannot pass through it he gathered up all his strength and rushed onward as he ran he threw away his tunic which had caught fire from the sparks and was burning like the shirt of nessus and he ran onward naked save for the garment wound about his head and over his mouth as he approached the cloud he perceived that what he had taken for smoke was only dust from the midst of which came the sound of human voices and cries 
the mob is pillaging the houses said vinitius to himself but he ran in the direction of the voices in any case people were there who might give him help in this hope he shouted for help at the top of his voice but this was his last effort lurid lights danced before his eyes the breath left his lungs strength failed him and he fell he was overheard however or rather some people saw him two men ran to his assistance with gourds full of water vinitius exhausted though he was had not lost consciousness he seized a gourd with both hands and eagerly drank its contents thanks said he please help me to my feet i can walk on unaided the other workmen poured water on his head then the two raised him from the ground and carried him to their fellows who immediately surrounded him and questioned him as to whether he had suffered any serious hurt their solicitude astonished vinitius good people who are you we are pulling down the buildings so that the fire may not reach the via portuensis answered one of the toilers you aided me when i had fallen i thank you we are not allowed to refuse help answered a chorus of voices Vinitius, who all the morning had seen brutal crowds plundering and murdering now looked more attentively at the faces around him and said may christ reward you praised be his name exclaimed a chorus of voices what of linus inquired Vinitius but he was unable to finish the question or hear the answer for he fainted from emotion and from his fearful exertion he came to himself only in the coditan field in a garden surrounded by a crowd of men and women the first words which he uttered were where is linus there was a pause and then a voice known to vinitius said he went out by the nomentan gate two days ago peace be with thee o king of persia Vinitius raised himself to a sitting posture and beheld Chilo before him. "'Thy house, O Lord,' said the Greek, "'must have been destroyed, for the Carinae are in flames, but thou wilt always be as rich as Midas. Oh, what a misfortune! The Christians, O son of Serapis, long ago foretold that fire would destroy the city, but Linus, with the daughter of Jove, is in Ostranium. Oh, what a disaster to this city!' Vinitius grew faint again hast thou seen them he asked i saw them o lord praise be to christ and all the gods that i can repay thy favors with good news but o cyrus i will repay thee more i swear by this burning rome the shades of evening had fallen but it was light as day in the garden for the conflagration had increased it seemed now that not more sections of the city were burning but that the entire city was enveloped in flames the heavens were red as far as the eye could see, and a red light closed down upon the world. End of Part 2 Chapter 21